This is a Federal News Network podcast. New data from the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee demonstrates that the Making Electronic Government Accountable by Yielding Tangible Efficiencies Act, or the Megabyte Act, may just be the most successful federal management bill in the last two-plus decades. That simple but effective law is yielding widespread results and saving hundreds of millions of dollars. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller got the first look at the Senate data, and he writes about why agencies were so successful in meeting the spirit and intent of the Megabyte Act. Jason joins us now to discuss. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jared. And you can tell this uh, this law was from 2016 because that kind of was the era when every single piece of legislation moving through Congress needed to have an enormous tortured acronym. But um, remind us exactly what, what the Megabyte Act did. The Megabyte Act required agencies really to do three things. First, it was to create an inventory of their software licenses. What do you have? How much do you have? Who has it? Where is it located? And you do much as much as 80% or, or at least 80% of all your software licenses. The second thing it, it required agencies to do was then to apply some rigor, some governance around it. Who's in charge? Do you have a, a dedicated person who's a software manager, if you will, or an enterprise license software manager? Because previously this was a oh, Jared, you're doing these three other things. Hey, can you be in charge of our software now too? So really have some dedicated uh, brain power to it. And then the third thing was, was use automated tools to create that inventory and manage that inventory. Very simple, very straightforward, and, and really building on a lot of the work that had been done previously under the Bush administration and into the Obama administration around managing software licenses. And it all tags back around to a GAO report that found agencies are spending upwards of a billion dollars on software licenses either they didn't need, that were out of date, or they were duplicative. And, and one thing I like about this story is it, it shows that Congress still is a, c- capable of doing its own data-driven oversight instead of just ordering GAO to go do a report. And, and there, there's an example of that here. You got a hold of this data, which was produced and collected by, by the committee itself. What, what did they find when they looked at some of the results they got back from agencies? Well, a couple things that, that came out, and, and we should give credit where credit's due. The committee worked with GAO because GAO does so much work on the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, the FATAR scorecard, which Megabyte is a piece of, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But really, the committee analyzed this data, and they looked at data from 13 agencies because that's who gave them the data. They're waiting on the other 11 from the CFO Act. And between 2017 and 2019, it's only about half of 2019 at that because of the, the lag in procurement data. They got about. They found that there was about four hundred and fifty million dollars of cost savings or cost avoidance based on the Megabyte Act and the work that they did to limit and, and really relook at software licenses. The Department of Health and Human Services accounted for one hundred forty-five million dollars of that savings or avoidance, and the Social Security Administration achieved one hundred eighteen million dollars in savings and or avoidance during that two-year time span. When you look at it across since 2014, which we have that data on federalnewsnetwork.com as well, agencies, and this is all 13 agencies now, accounted for about $773 million. Now, of course, the Megabyte Act only came into law in 2016, so the, 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 the committee went further back because, again, this is where some of those other initiatives like Smart Buy, like the Enterprise Software Initiative, really started to take hold starting back in 2014 and where agencies could really get their arms around managing their software licenses. And as you talk to folks in, in, in your reporting for this article, what, what did they tend to think it was about the Megabyte Act that made it more successful than some of the previous management reforms we've seen over the years? 
couple things that stood out to the experts. And I talked to Renee Wynn, who's a former NASA chief information officer. She was responsible for implementing Megabyte. And I talked to David Harrington, who's over at SIE Consulting, who helps agencies. Part of their consulting gig is to help agencies deal with software licenses and other issues. And both said very similar things. Number one, it was something that everyone could understand. A lot of these IT management initiatives, the, the business side, the mission side are like, what do you want me to do? But, oh, software licenses. I have you know, 15 people using the software. I have 20 licenses. I have probably five too many. Therefore, thus, I can get rid of those other five or, or maybe get rid of two more. So I have a few extra in case if I hire more people. It's somewhere easy to understand. Second was all the foundational work that I mentioned earlier, smart buy, enterprise software initiatives and the like. And even what David Harrington from SIE Consulting pointed out was a what they call a SLIM program from GSA, a software license inventory management program that GSA was providing as a service. So all these things were already in the works and agencies were kind of getting used to it. The third reason why they thought that that, that Megabyte really was successful was because, again, it gave a belly button to push. It just didn't say manage software, but name a person. And then the Office of Management Budget followed up, said, who is that person? And then they had meetings and they had follow-up meetings and they had follow-up follow-up meetings to say, what are you doing? What challenges you're facing? How do we overcome them? So all these kind of pieces fell into place. And, and the bigger piece, I think, Jared, of all of this is it was very easy to understand. It was an, it was an implementable law. It was not confusing like maybe the E-Government Act that had, you know, 800 pages and, and 16 different parts or the Paperwork Reduction Act, which is, okay, what is paper and what isn't paper these days? It was not this more overly complicated requirements. It was very straightforward. Understand your software that you have and manage it better. So now that that you know more tangible piece of this is, is kind of solved, what's next in the in the software licensing space after the Megabyte Act? So one of the things that David Harrington from SIE Consulting mentioned was this idea of ELPs, Enterprise Licenses Positions. It's basically a program or, or a, an initiative to go one step further than just, okay, I know what I have and I'm going to manage it better, but actually say, okay, I'm going to look out a year or look out 18 months and say what contracts are coming due and I'm going to figure out what my needs are for that software and then go back to the vendor and say, hey, I bought 30 licenses. I think I'm only going to need 20. I want a better rate and I'm going to negotiate it down. So it's really being much more proactive to understand what you have and how you're going to use it. And that really will drive a lot of savings. For instance, David Harrington mentioned to me that he, they worked, his company worked with a private sector firm using an ELP approach and they saved as much as 30% off their, off their top, uh, of their cost of software licenses. He goes, he offered this kind of example. If you have 200 vendor partners, you make a list of which ones are most critical by mission or by spend. And then as you kind of, then you just pick one off each at a time by renegotiating based on when they are going to expire. It sounds pretty simple, but you really have to have, again, that dedicated view and, again, leadership support. Yeah, and another thing it seems to me you could do with that kind of thinking is, is tackle a problem that I hear about all the time in the DoD space specifically, which is that the agency buys a lot of software capability that it doesn't use because it's part of a suite. And they've they've purchased other software capabilities that duplicate what's already in that suite because maybe it's somebody's personal preference or whatever. But it, that, that, that causes a lot of duplication and overlap in the overall software inventory because you're not using everything that you have, not, not, not just numerically, but capability-wise. Absolutely. And, and I've had that conversation with vendors over the years as well, where they say we have to have 
fewer software tools or fewer fewer security tools. And I always kind of look back at those vendors and say, I'm pretty sure that's your fault. And they go, yeah, mi culpa, it is. Sometimes we sell too many of the same tools and we don't make sure that the agencies or the customer understands exactly what each of those capabilities are. So I think, Jared, you're absolutely right that it gives agencies now a chance to step back by using ELP to say, okay, what do, what do we have in total? And do we have how much duplication and redundancy do we actually have? The other piece that is really important in all of this is there is a set of companies, and maybe all of them do it, but there's some specific ones, which we won't name, we won't call them out specifically, that use audits to then look at agencies. Okay, how many software licenses do you have? You have 40. Well, we have evidence that you're using 60, so you owe us for 20, and you've been doing that for six months, and that's going to be $5 million pay us. They'll do these audits as a way to kind of pull money out of other agencies of their customers for, for using too many licenses or, 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 if you will, sharing licenses. And one of those things that the Megabyte does and ELP would definitely do was help agencies stop that problem, which as some people have told me, it's quite significant that agencies end up paying a lot of money that they don't necessarily have in their budgets. All right. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks very much. My pleasure, Jared. And you can read more about the Megabyte Act in this week's edition of the Reporter's Notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.